Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's Monday, uh, September 20th, 2021. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior uh, Managing Director, Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is a weekly market and economic commentary. Don't forget, intra week, you may find me on Twitter at ETF underscore strategist or LinkedIn, just Herb Morgan on uh, LinkedIn. This is available both as a narrated uh, deck or slide. Uh, presentation for those who get it off of our website or who receive our weekly email. Uh, for many others, you get us as a podcast where you get the, the audio portion only. It's available in all the normal podcasting formats. The presentation you're about to see and or hear is designed for use with both investors and financial advisors, but of course, each are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. Nothing is a recommendation for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is for informational purposes. No tax advice, no investment advice, etc. We had a little bit of a modest down week in equities last week. The S&P rolled down about a half a percent, mid cap about half that amount. But look at that, small cap. Uh, one of our investment committee members has been talking for some time about a rotation at a large and large growth into small and certainly we got some significant outperformance of small cap last week that that would have helped our performance we do have about five percent of our equities in small cap it's not big but compared to our benchmark index the acqui it is because the acqui does not include small cap stocks on a year-to-date basis though everything remains in the black last week bonds uh sold off just a tad as Yields in the 10, 20, and 30 year just creeped ever so slightly higher. The aggregate bond index was down three basis points. But uh, everything else positive all the way around last week. Let's get into some of the data and what's going on here. One of the biggest things we're hearing about is um, inflation expectations possibly running away. The Fed has been very clear they believe that the inflation uptick is related to reopening and is therefore transitory. Uh, they are therefore willing to let it run a little hot if it helps them with their second objective or co-equal objective really of uh, fostering full employment. Graph you see before you is uh, inflation expectations of consumers from consumer confidence. That's this bronze colored line and that is the left hand scale. We're looking at consumers expecting one year forward inflation down in excess of six and a half percent. Meanwhile, the Fed, the blue line with the right hand scale, uh, they're still expecting numbers down closer to 2%. So there's a big, big spread here. There's always a spread, of, uh, you know, you can see here, at least for the last three years, consumers have always been a little more pessimistic than the Fed's expectations have. Point is they're both rising but I think the level now of consumer inflation expectations is high enough that it is uh, causing worry that some of this inflation may stick rather than roll over. 
particularly when we see a lot of pressure in, uh, in labor and, and wages. National Federation of Independent Businesses put out their optimism index for the month of August. It rose, got back over 100. That was very nice. Despite the gain, they still cite problems with uh, workers, supply chain issues, uh, concern now about increasing COVID cases, whether or not that will impede the current uh, improvement and uptick in activity. And about 41%, it's an all-time high, said they have to raise pay in order to attract workers. I guess you can say that uh, a robust economic activity is far better uh, at raising wages than things like minimum wages. And in many cases, the minimum wage now is far below what is needed uh, to attract workers and to get them on. This is the beauty of capitalism and, and markets. Uh, however, from an inflation standpoint, we're seeing that uh, higher labor costs are being passed on at this point, uh, for the most part, to consumers and could ultimately impact profit margins and earnings, of course. Speaking of uh, inflation, this is a big, big, big concern. You can see here, this is the core CPI, which is the red. The year-over-year -year gain is moderated slightly. The regular CPI, year-over-year -year gain moderated slightly, but they remain very, very high. Uh, well above the Fed's longer-term 2% goal. Uh, it was the smallest gain in the last seven months because, as the Fed has predicted, many of the reopening sensitive areas, used cars, which have been crazy, hotel stays, airfares, and car rentals. I'm trying to rent a car in Savannah, Georgia in November and having a heck of a time still. Um, but that being said, that was a positive sort of rollover there. And then we, we picked up this piece. And if you follow me on LinkedIn, you saw it this week, which I dropped in from Deutsche Bank, really good piece where they broke the CPI down. They sort of decomposed it. And the dark blue represents the contribution of used cars to the CPI. That's how insane the move is that it really made a significant contribution. Without that, you were still down, you would have been down at 3%. Right. So then you take out the other COVID related ones. And without that, you really are down near the Fed's 2% target. So the Fed's view is, hey, this will take care of itself as we get some new cars online and for sale. We know how difficult it is now. Uh, there are certainly no bargains or negotiations going on, uh, but it really made the Fed's case. And uh, it's interesting. That being said, uh, CPI hikes are trans or transmitting into many, many other areas. Here's import and export prices for August, uh, up 9% year over year for import. In imports, exports up 16.8, almost 17% year over year. So this is uh, concerning. It looks like it's starting to moderate and roll down, perhaps. Uh, perhaps this is the transitory thing, but still too early to declare victory uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Now, you know, there's worries about the markets and the equity markets today in particular, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I always get more worried when I see a decline in aggregate demand, when we're talking about large-scale unemployment, shuttering down of factories, et cetera, et cetera. The last recession we had, which was last year, was, was due to a supply constriction, not demand backing off. We chose to restrict supply with lockdowns and shutdowns, et cetera. So demand right now is incredibly high. Think about what we did. We cut off supply and we massively expanded the monetary base. And then we gave people checks from a fiscal stimulus perspective. 
that means you have fewer goods and services being produced because of the shutdown and far greater demand because of the new and extra money. So too much money chasing too few goods and services is the textbook definition of inflation. And that is where we are. New York state manufacturing surged to 34.3. I mean, they didn't get it wrong. They just didn't even, weren't even in the same block, the same neighborhood. The estimate was for 17.9. This is the New York state area manufacturing index. New orders got to a 17 year high of almost 34 shipments gained 22, not, not didn't go to 22. They went from four to 27, uh, even despite the supply chain issues that are continuing out there. This shows you how massive uh, the demand is. We had similar result from Philly Fed, which is not really far from New York, or uh, obviously Pennsylvania is right on the border of New York. The Philly Fed business survey rose from 19.4 to 30.7. The estimate there was 19.7. Again, not even on the same block. And we're still underestimating the demand when you, when you do that much monetary stimulus at the same time as re removing supply, I can't overemphasize, that's exactly what we did. And we'll, I think we'll look back in history, well, that might've been a little bit of a mistake the way we handled that. Uh, I don't know if I have a better solution, mind you, but uh, right now we're definitely causing some inflationary pressures. So moving on nationally to industrial production and capacity utilization, we had an increase in production of 0.4%. That's pretty sizable, pretty good. Uh, but it was all attributed to the big uptick in utility output in August. We had heat. Uh, we ultimately had some uh, hurricanes, Ida subtracted. So uh, I would call this most of this a wash. The other thing we had is about two thirds of Gulf oil production was offline during that period. Uh, and again, one of the reasons I don't see a recession anywhere on the horizon is jobs, jobs everywhere, lots and lots of jobs. The extended unemployment benefits are over. Uh, it is now September 20th, 2021. And uh, if people want that income, they're gonna have to go back to work, but they're gonna come back to work with massive demand and potentially significantly higher wages. So that's really a, a good thing. Weekly jobless claims are in the low threes where I say we need to be for a healthy and robust uh, economy. Uh, so that's a solid, solid report. Other data last week include retail sales declining, excuse me, they were expected to decline seven tenths. They rose seven tenths of a percent. Uh, weakness at auto dealers, again, with the supply issues. Anecdotally, I can tell you, I, I wanted to buy a Ford Explorer. I went to two Ford dealers. Neither had a vehicle. Neither could repair the vehicle that I had, an older Ford Explorer. Uh, not because they didn't have the, the technology or the tools, but they didn't have enough people. And it was a three week wait to get the car even looked at at two Ford dealers. Followed that up with uh, trying to buy a new one at both, didn't have any supply. And ultimately found a Buick Enclave, which is very similar to a Ford Explorer. But that's how difficult it is given this uh, chip, chip shortage and employee shortage. Uh, we did see uh, back to school shopping, the transfer payments from for the families with dependent children, those all happened. Uh, so that was a little bit of on the boost side, uh, but we saw a little bit cooling uh, as COVID cases spiked uh, in the month of August. Business inventories remain pretty strong and rose again. Uh, that's a sign of confidence by the nation's CEOs.
Consumer sentiment remains pretty weak, and that's really driven by two things, the Delta variant and inflation, more so by inflation than anything else. Respondents, which I showed you earlier, their expectations for inflation are far greater than those of the Fed. They may be incorrect, but that's what those expectations are. But consumers are saying buying stuff's getting really hard. Uh, durable goods, homes, motor vehicles, the buying conditions component of this is the lowest it's been since 1980. And you all remember how horrible the economy was in the late 70s and going into the early 1980s. That being said, here we are. Uh, the S&P is down 100 points this morning as I'm recording this. So we need to talk about this in real time. We have been saying for about a month now that the likelihood of some kind of a correction is probably uh, greater than it's been in a while. And uh, we took uh, steps and we reduced risk exposure at EMA twice this year most recently back in July, which wasn't very long ago. Uh, but why were we saying this is likely that a correction could be coming? First of all, equity holdings across the board very, fairly high. Look at us, we're, we're actually just a little over benchmark equity weightings down from an even higher level. But part of that is that there's no alternative. Tina, there is no alternative. Interest rates are extremely low. With high inflation, the real return on bonds is negative. And so equities are kind of the only game in now in town. As such, the systematic strategies, these are the, the levered players, the risk parity players, hedge funds, also high equity exposure, retail high equity exposure. So there's really not like an incremental buyer. It's also been over 200 days since we had a 5% correction. 5% corrections are super normal and super healthy. Uh, we've had longer periods, but this is like the fifth longest period in the last 20 or 30 years. So um, the fact that we've gone this long without one just kind of means in some case we're due. Well, what could be the trigger? What could be the trigger for that 5% correction? We said all along it could be a number of things, quite a number of things. First and most likely, one or not most likely, but the first of which is the fact that the massive monetary expansion is waning. We're still expanding the money supply at a large uh, clip. We're buying uh, as we know, $120 billion a month worth of U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities, printing money, if you will. Uh, and the FOMC meets this week. So it's more likely than not that today's sell-off is more based on that pending announcement than perhaps what's being attributed to could be this China property developer, partly to blame, but sort of a perfect storm to find a reason for the sell-off. Uh, we believe that they're going to provide color to either begin the taper in November or December. That's at this week's meeting. And they'll likely begin tapering each meeting by another $15 billion until they finally wrap up the tapering in the third quarter of 22. And then, then maybe in 23, uh, rate hikes could be on the table. But the bottom line is the amount of monetary accommodation and stimulus is, is being reduced. We're not reversing, but being reduced. And that is part of the catalyst for, I think, this little sell-off. Another part of this catalyst for this sell-off is, you know, last all year long, S&P 500 earnings estimates were just getting frantically written higher. Uh, and we think that we've probably reached a, a plateau, maybe not a peak, but a plateau for a while, possibly a peak. 
um, because analysts have yet to correct for potentially higher tax rates, which now seem uh, very possible with the new administration. So that'll have to be modeled in. Higher wages, if they're unable to pass on, that's likely to be modeled in. On the other side, driving stocks, the, uh, the administration is requesting a 2% tax on stock buybacks to companies. So companies are likely to front load and get their stock buybacks in in Q4 rather than wait into Q1 of next year where theoretically that new law could go into effect. So that would give us a little bit of a tailwind, that part of the action right now. What's our reaction been here at EMA? As I mentioned, we have twice reduced risk exposure during 2021. We have raised a little bit of cash. Uh, we're, we're not putting it in today necessarily, but we are interested in what's happening. Uh, we do see some modest headwinds as I've talked to you about, but we think in the end equities are really have the most favorable risk reward characteristics. Uh, fixed income just simply doesn't. We think the level of aggregate demand, as I pointed out with the Philly Fed and the Empire State and the ISM uh, services and manufacturing are all incredibly high. I do think the valuations are better, let's say in Europe, but Europe still has structural issues, et cetera. Uh, uh, so I do expect that this is the beginning of a little correction. Uh, I don't think it's a correction worth trading. I think this is a bull market correction, not a bear market. Uh, we did reduce. I think we're happy with that reduction, and we're going to look for an opportunity to get that back into um, back into play. To show you, I, uh, this is a Bloomberg graph. Um, show you where we are. Looks like we peaked back here about mm, two and a half weeks ago, around September seventh. Uh, I've seen this movie many, many times. You see, we're at about a four percent correction there with the S and P at forty three thirty eight. Um, so about a 4.3% uh, pullback. You know, we get the, we get little corrections to 3%. We get eight, we get 10. Uh, in my view, the uh, level of support, sorry about that. We, we are uh, getting a lot of buzzing here. The level of support really was around 4,400. And we have, uh, we have blown through, uh, we have blown through that 4,400 level. So the next level of support, in my view, is around 4,250, which would result in about a 6.3 or 6.4% uh, correction from the peak. Now, remember, get your head straight on this, folks. Unless you, were, you bought 100% of your equity investment of your entire life at exactly the high point, and sold at exactly the low point. You didn't lose 3%, 4%, or 6%. Investing is a journey. You've been doing it all along, all of your working days, whether it's your 401k or outside your 401k, your IRAs. And when it's time to spend your investments, when it's time to retire, you're going to similarly uh, take dividends, interest, and, and maybe even harvest a few shares for capital gain purposes into your uh, retirement. Um, so keep in mind uh, that uh, this is not cataclysmic. I've already had uh, a number of you call this morning, and I appreciate that. And I'm always here to take those calls 
but hopefully I'll speak to many of you that this is uh, this is normal. This is how we, how things go when we invest, and it is it is a red day. It is a down down day. Okay. Moving on to uh, this week's data, we've got housing sentiment. Uh, it's already out this morning. It's better than expected. Housing starts and permits on Tuesday, existing home scales on Wednesday. So it's all about residential real estate. I don't expect any surprises. Really, this week is focused squarely on Wednesday and the FOMC. The FOMC will not raise rates, but they are going to telegraph, in my view, that they will be tapering the asset purchases perhaps as early as November but it could be as late as December. Who cares? They're going to buy less stuff, less paper. Jobless claims, uh, Marquette, manufacturing and PMI, uh, manufacturing and services PMIs, those are flash numbers. It's not the end of the month yet, obviously. And then new home sales on Friday. The other thing we got is this thing with China with a property developer and perhaps some debt issues. It is weighing on our markets to be sure. And there is correlation where uh, the U.S. markets are following Chinese markets. That's happened for a couple of years now, and it's new. It wasn't always the case um, in the past. So think about that for a second. Uh, don't forget to continue to follow us on the Apple Podcast or wherever you get us. I thank you for tuning in. I apologize for those interruptions. Uh, we'll get that corrected next week. Uh, but by all means, if you have questions or comments, we are here uh, don't forget, we're moving our office this week. We'll be moving Wednesday after the close. Uh, we should be available all throughout Wednesday and during the, the uh, even during the move periods. And we are just moving two floors up in the same building. Our address is the same, except we will be suite 540 instead of suite 315. Look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.